Welcome to the Reimagined Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life in the community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuy. Today, on episode 104, we talk with Janetta Oni about her life and role in leading creatives and our response to burnout among church staff cultures. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. What? Hello, is up, boys. <laughs> I just decided not even wait. No, for you just jumped <laughs> right in. What is up? Yeah, there you go. Hey. Good back. day. Good day. It is a good. It, well, yeah. it is a good day. Yeah. Before the snow again. Uh, yes, that's what I'm hearing. Uh, we got heavy rain coming, turning to snow. Yeah. Now we yeah. can we continue the the cycle of the Powerball weather. Welcome yeah. Channel. Yeah. to Central Virginia. Yeah. yeah. Into the. Uh, <laughs> What's that? The peak. Was the peak. <laughs> Yeah. Wait for the beep. That's right. Yeah. I love, uh, I love leave, the technology. Leave your name, leave your number. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's too funny. That's like, I'm not hearing um, something. I did hear mm-hmm. Really? Okay. So, no, no. so mm-hmm. let's that's get right. it back together here. Yes. You got yes. it. You got it. So what's, um, what are you guys picking up on out there? Spiders. Really? At your house? Home? And, and, and not U of R. Spiders. Like, no. Did you see the article? No. USA Today? Like today, last week? Oh, this week, a couple of days ago, I guess, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's so, come out recent. The warnings have come out recently. Yeah. So let me get this straight. Pandemic. Yes. Uh, Pandemic. Now we have spiders. World, world crisis. Joro. And now spiders. I, think I, I don't know if that pronounced it correctly. The Joro, Joro, Horo spider, whatever, something like that. So, Could be. Could yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big spider. It's huge. It's colorful. Mm hmm. And they're coming. And they're coming this way. <laughs> like, where are they coming from? I mean, we're coming up from <clears throat> East Coast. The pond, um, they, they've just kind of, they're just kind of moving up. East of, Coast. Out of Florida? I don't know where they actually came from. Probably. Apparently they've gone rapidly across Georgia and other parts of the Southeast. It's been about really? 10 years. Taking over they, Georgia. Taking over Georgia. A slow migration. But they're yep. coming to Virginia. Yep. They're the size of your hand. Yes. But they're uh, colorful. So they fit in my palm. Yes. Yes. After they eat it off, yes, <laughs> yes, they just are they. I mean, they're poisonous. Did you did you did you like scratch just to check and see? If no, yeah. spiders Listen, on the floor. Yeah. I'm bitching all over right now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's keep the conversation minimal, uh, please. Yeah, yeah. They um, parachute in. Yes, they parachute in. So they kind of float in, you know, off their web, off their web. They float in and um, wreak havoc. I don't know, I'm I'm picturing like arachnophobia. Do you ever remember? Yeah, that yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah, ooh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. I know it's nothing like that. And any spider people we have listening, which we have a large demographic of spider <laughs> yeah. people, uh, they're probably thinking, "What are you talking about?" But well, and they um they their metabolism is twice their um, other species that are similar to them. Okay, uh, they can survive in like much colder weather mm. uh, than their um, than their sisters and brothers and cousins. And uh, survive uh, below freezing temperatures, and um, have a pretty good survival rate. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, that's well, just great. Well, welcome to society. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> glad, glad to have you. People are glad we're having this discussion. <laughs> so, are you, are you are you like a spider freak or? No, I don't particularly. I mean, I don't invite them in, but you no, know, I'm not a big fan. But I'll take care of them. You? Yeah, no, I, I prefer not to be with them. <laughs> but I'm the one that gets called on to kill them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the same. No matter, how, no matter yeah. how small it is. It's uh-huh. like, yeah. Spider? Uh-huh. Yep. Like, yep. Come on, kids. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. It'll be all right. Although one time I did get a call. I think we were in a staff meeting. I got a call from my wife saying, uh, asking if I could come home 
real quick. They needed me at the house and the kids were all there and I get home and there, she said, there's a spider, uh, that I need you to kill. And it's, and it's in the sunroom. So I go in there and it's one of those, you know, like those wolf spiders or mm. whatever. It's, this thing was massive. I mean, it just turned around yeah. and talked to me like, Hey, yeah. how you doing? Uh, just a huge thing, man. And so I, yeah, I, from a distance, I rained down terror on it <laughs> until it was gone. Yeah. I remember uh, as a kid, I mean, we had a friend that had a tarantula. You know, that was a big oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, aquarium in the house, and I'm that, like, yeah. why do you do that? Mm, mm, yeah, I think about the movie Home Alone, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you have <laughs> yeah. all that. Yeah. So, yeah. clarification. Uh, showed up in first spot in Georgia in 2013. Believed to originate from Asia, and they think it came over uh, potentially on a shipping container. Right. So, that's kind right. of the thought process. Right. But since 2013, they've been... Migrating. Uh, well, populating. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So just watch. Look outside your um while you're making your next city walk and down by the Virginia Museum of uh Fine know, Arts, I'll yeah. be looking for the, the new yeah. species. The colorful size of your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not an exhibit. It's not part of the art. I know it looks that big. Yeah, it looks that big. It's, it's, it's that colorful, it's, right? It's not no. the sculptor no. that I think it is. No, no, no. no. Yeah, no. no. That's so, good. Run away. Yeah. Run away. Uh, well, let's talk about a subject that's not so scary. Well, it could be. It could be? Yeah. Depends, right? Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, today I'm excited about our conversation uh, that we're going to get into. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, creative and creative people. Yeah. Uh, and then we're also going to uh, talk about uh, burnout. And uh, even among... Definitely among church staff, culture, uh, things that people experience. We know there's a 30% dropout rate in terms of ministry right now. Uh, But not only just in this profession, but in every profession, people uh, have struggled with this. And now we tack on this spider fear. And here's here's another thing to grant your teeth about. (laughs) One more thing. So we are excited to welcome uh, Janetta Oney today. Janetta is a Georgia native. Uh, She's now living in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, She is the wife of Aid, mom of Kennedy, Avery, and Bayo. I hope I pronounced that right. She has a strong heart for the local church, and she's been working in that context now for 12 years, and she currently serves as the Creative Arts Director at the Summit Church and has a Master in Human Services Counseling with the focus of Christian Ministries from Liberty University. So Janetta, welcome to the podcast today. Glad you're here. Hey guys, I'm glad to be here. I'm a Georgia native, so I have never seen one of those spiders. Oh, you got out just in time. <laughs> you got out. That's I, right. Apparently, I left right before they took over. So that's well, that would be right because you've been yeah. you've been in ministry now for 12 years. They arrived like no, no, 10 years. 2013. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you're close. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Maybe we prayed them away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ministry work. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thanks so much for coming on today, and uh, we're going to talk uh, kind of about two conversation pieces, one in terms of your work and and specialty in uh, creativity and uh, creativity within the church, but also you've recently written an article in terms of burnout. And um, I was able to um, be referenced to that and so uh, allow for this uh, conversation to take place. So as we get started today, just tell us a little bit about your journey, uh, where you've been and, and how is it you arrived as a creative arts director there at the Summit Church? Yeah, so um I have been blessed to kind of serve a lot of different roles in a local church. When I got saved in, in, in 2003, I got involved with the church plant and it was kind of one of those callings where I, I'm like, I know I'm supposed to serve in ministry. I don't know what any of that means, but here are my hands. What, what do you guys need? And I, I happen to have, um, you know, some creative talents. I was a musician for a while. Um, 
I actually didn't have any like uh, graphic design or any kind of skill like that, but I was a fast learner and Google existed. And so I went to the University of Google and YouTube for a few um, skill sets. Um, and so I just kind of volunteered for a while and I eventually came on staff and kind of um, became like a ministry Swiss Army knife. Hmm. <laughs> kind of just was able to be used at um, whatever was needed at the moment. And church communications was uh, coming up. Then for a while, people didn't know what church communications was. Is it marketing? Is it PR? Is it graphic designs? It was kind of a new thing for our church staff. So I became the uh, communications director at a church, moved up here to North Carolina, joined the communications team, and eventually kind of convinced my boss that creativity, uh, the creative arts was kind of uh, a task on the list of communications. Like we need to promote this. We need to do this. And since it was just a task on the list, it kind of got, um, I guess, ignored or not prioritized the way I kind of thought it should be. So I convinced him to separate those teams. And so my coworker got the logistics, the, uh, the website, basically all the boring stuff. And I got to do the creative <laughs> art stuff. And, yeah. and so, um, yeah, this team has kind of existed at our church formerly for just a year, actually. So it's, it's pretty new and we're kind of building the plane while we're flying it, but it's, it's been a fun ride. Hmm. What is that? What does that look like? Um, just as people hear you talking about that role. Um, mm-hmm. but what does that include? What does that entail? Um, you know, you've only been, you all been flying right. that for a year, but, uh, what, what are some examples of that? So the way I explain the creative arts department is that we make any content that our church consumes. So from words to, uh, graphic design, a video, anything that you read, see, hear, that's, um, apart for the, you know, from the sermon actually that you hear on Sunday, even though we help with that too. So anything that's on a screen that is printed, that is heard, we make content. Um, and typically in, in, in the church world and even in the world around us, that kind of just morphed into marketing. I love marketing. I think it's a, it's, it's a necessary thing to think about how things get to the right audience but it kind of got overwhelmed by marketing. I think, I think church creative arts program became more about how can I reach a lot of people on social media? How can I put an ad? And, and it kind of lost this art um, as art creative part of it. And so I wanted to kind of take it to where we can do the marketing stuff, but really focus on what it means to make something beautiful in the name of Jesus, like make something beautiful because art has been around longer than the Bible, actually. It's, it's been around and art has always done what art has always done. It's never needed marketing. Mm-hmm. It's always touched us in a place that we can't really explain. Um, and so I kind of wanted to take it over here, protect it a little bit and let art do what art does. Yeah, that's good. So with that, can you speak into the creativity as as a spiritual biblical concept from how, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, having this position and then communicating to your boss and discussing those things and people asking questions all the time, you know, about that. How, how would you communicate the spiritual right. and biblical concept of it? Yeah, that's important because um, when you start talking about art, it, it has a, 
a frivolous feel to it. Like, oh, you know, like this just seems like extra stuff that we don't really need to focus on. And so it's sometimes I feel I have a, a soft spot in my heart for artists because sometimes it's a hard sell. You know, even in school, it's like, well, we got to learn math. We got to learn reading art. Eh, we'll see if we have extra time. But if we think about in the Old Testament, um, I just I'm I'm reading through the Bible this year in my personal quiet time. But um, when we get to the part where they're in the desert, they just come out of Egypt and now it's time to build a tabernacle for God to meet with the people. And God calls Aaron and he calls the, um, the Levites and the priests. But before the priests can even get to work to do what they're called to do, God has to call artists. He calls um, uh, two artists, Aholiab and Bezalel. And that's actually one of the first times in the Bible we see people being filled with the spirit. And um, the priests couldn't even get to work before the artists got to work. And I think that's really important because um, we're, we are a support team. We're, we're not the, in our church, we're not necessarily people on the front line, of, you know, like our pastors and our elders, um, people ministering to people one-on-one, but the support that we give them, whether it's helping them tell a story, helping them make something visible, it's almost like we, um, we are building a tabernacle that people can meet uh, with God face to face. And it's so God is the creator, right? Mm -hmm. We are his workmanship. We are his creation. And, and God has in, invited us to serve with him in creating and cultivating this, this world and it's, it's just one of those things where you can't put your finger on why it's important, but you know, deep down in your bones, like what would life be without music? Mm -hmm. it, it, it would be weird without music. Mm -hmm. yeah. But even the role that music plays all throughout scripture too. Right. Yeah. I mean, from a recreation standpoint of view uh, in teaching sport and recreation and, and theology, I always, you know, thought about go back to the garden. It doesn't define that what was being played there. But mm -hmm. there is, there has to be, because of his creativeness, there has to be a defining of, of, of them in the garden doing some form of play, movement, exercise, oh. you know, that you can build off of. So it's interesting yes. how you, how you look back and look, look at the first artist and whoever, you know, how do you read the scripture that way of viewing people as mm -hmm. artistic and creative in that? Yeah. I love the use of the tabernacle there. Uh, the idea that artists create the space. Yeah. Uh, for for people to mm -hmm. encounter God. And and when they did that, when you read through what that looked like, it engaged people, and this is God's design, on in all of their senses, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, yeah. the smell, uh, the look, the taste, the feel, everything uh, yeah. was engaging and created that space to encounter God. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really cool. You, um, you, you see the um, very, very specific instructions that God gives for the tabernacle. And you start to think, and God has preferences. He's like, I want this red. I want this part gold because it's more important. I want this, this fragrance. Actually, don't repeat the recipe. I like this smell. This is not for anyone else. Like you start to see God giving preferences to things that don't seem important, but they are important to God. He, he likes this color and he likes that color for over here. And he likes, um, I don't know. It's just, it's something really special to think about. Um, God liking something or preferring something. So you're a creative person. I'm, I'm going to go with that assumption. Uh, and you're and you're leading creative people. Yes. And so I guess the question is that is as a leader, 
mm-hmm. with the creative staff. Where, where do you start with, with working with creative people as team members and individuals? How, how do people go about forming those relationships and knowing how they work or what the rhythm is? Yeah. So I, I think creatives um, get stereotyped a lot. I think people uh, imagine someone um, with incense burning and, you know, just um, meditating for three hours and then, you know, not doing any work and then uh, being very protective and eccentric over their work. And there definitely are creatives like that. Yeah, but, it's like um, you're looking right into my office. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that, but didn't want to interrupt. (laughs) Yeah. So there are a lot of different creative types and in, in one way, creatives aren't that different from anyone. They, um, they can get overwhelmed. They can, um, get really excited about, uh, one particular thing and you have to redirect redirect them. I feel like I'm describing my children, honestly, <laughs> you know, they, they, they're, you know, they're really excited about this one thing and you want them to get excited about another thing. Um, but I love leading creatives, um, because the, I think the main thing creatives need, and I don't think this is exclusive to creatives, but they need margin. They need space to think and dream and, um, come up with, uh, concepts that they feel, uh, safe being vulnerable, uh, presenting, because if you think about it, creatives, um, are rejected a lot. They will come up with an idea and some, all someone has to say is, I don't really like that. And so there's a vulnerability to creating something either from your own mind or trying to create what someone else has in mind. Um, even today I was making just a t-shirt for college, uh, ministry. And I, I put some time into it and they're like, well, you know, I don't know if I like it. And so there's a sense where I could go really deep inside and be like, well, what do you mean? You don't like it? You make your own t-shirt <laughs> or, <laughs> or I can grow up and be a grown up and say, okay, we missed the mark. What is another direction we can go? So there's a lot of vulnerability in leading creatives. There's a lot of, uh, protecting of time and, um, leading and stewarding and almost, uh, shepherding people to go certain direction. Um, there's it's all, uh, Psalm 23, actually the way God shepherds us, like he leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There's a lot of that, that, um, needs to happen with creatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I really enjoy that work. Yeah, that's good. And a reminder that we all have creativity in us. Mm-hmm. We're created that way. And I think about that space and margin. Um, oh, that's good stuff. No. And, and I think it's funny you talk about the idea. Um, I think we all like our own ideas, but <laughs> they really are. An idea is just a starting place. Yes. And so in the collaboratives, I love in a collaborative moment with other creatives and you get to think and dream and talk and throw things out and chew them up and spit them out and you know, yes. throw them away. But it is uh, you come together through that collaboration with something really beautiful and it's mm-hmm. like a, a composite type of thing. So it's really yes. cool. So um, and, and but I think it's interesting. I think we we have to get used to not not owning or taking too serious our ideas, you know, it's so that's, that's good. And I'm sure it is very unique leading, you know, a creative bunch too. So, cause you do have to focus. I mean, there is a, and I love the margin too. Like you said, that's, that's, that's a big part, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. 
have to respect the table. Um, there's a lot mm. that's left on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's bad or no. it doesn't mean that, you know, um, it's rejected because it's bad art. It's just that the thing that works for whatever project is, is typically very small. And for everything that people see and celebrate, there's a whole table of things that just didn't make it. And, and I try to do, um, I try to help our team celebrate the table. Like yeah. this is the stuff that we saw that never got out there. And it, um, we're really proud of what did get out, out there, but there's something special about what's left on the table. Well. And I don't think, I don't think you throw away what's left on the table. I mean, it's kind of like a right. meal. You kind of put it in Tupperware and put it on the shelf. <laughs> you'll, you'll come back to Perfect. And, uh, yeah. Put it away. But it may be, it may be, it may be an idea for something else. So you don't want to lose yeah. that. I, I don't think, but now I, I mean, it's right. getting kind of crazy with it, but, but I do think that there are, Sometimes we just discard what's on the table, but I do think as a leader, you have to, you, you kind of pick up the pieces on the table so you can use them at a later date because yes. you will need them. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, leftovers I, are good, man. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes yeah. on a Sunday night, it's whatever you can find in the fridge, you know, Hey, come yes. to our house, man. <laughs> <That's what it laughs> I, I like the phrase celebrate what's on the table yeah. because mm, even, yeah. even though, yeah. Even though not everything is being used and not everybody's idea or creative piece is bringing, being brought to the forefront as mm-hmm. a team, what, what you're doing is you're celebrating the person oh, yeah. and, and, and the work and the thought and the effort mm-hmm. that they put in it to, to, to become something. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's a good phrase. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Like yeah. That. that is good. Well, let's uh, switch gears uh, over to uh, just the, the article that you recently have have written on uh, says we don't talk about burnout an allegory about church staff culture as we mentioned earlier burnout is something that really is impacting all of our culture in a variety of ways um, due to jobs and and financial stress or job uh, job stress or world stress and it's there Mm. Uh, and so where are people protecting themselves where are they being vulnerable where they're not so i just kind of want to dive into your article a little bit and and hear you speak into um burnout as individuals or how you address that among church staff and teams uh, in that conversation. So can you share with your, with us about maybe uh, your experience and what brought you to uh, pin this article? So, yeah, I am a recovering Enneagram three. I <laughs> hey, am I'm a three. three. <laughs> this is not going <laughs> to. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. About yes, about no, that. Uh, I, yeah, I am a workaholic, like, or a recovering workaholic. I love to work. I am, um, I don't think I'll ever struggle with laziness, which, um, is a blessing, but I, uh, am, especially in my early years of being on church staff, there's something about, uh, the church culture that says, Hey, we're doing this for Jesus. So anything and everything is permissible. That's, um, not sin. And so we've just got to run hard after Jesus and we've got to do literally whatever it takes to get whatever we're doing done. And so that was my philosophy. I did it for a long time until I couldn't do it anymore. And I hit rock bottom. Hmm. And I know a lot of pop- people who hit that wall, who hit rock bottom. And um, I can tell you, it, it just wasn't worth it. Um And it it sounds weird to say that, like, Jesus isn't worth that. Well, Jesus didn't call me to do that. Um, I think I had put a lot of things on 
my plate that Jesus didn't call me to. And I had to learn that actually Jesus called me to Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think I've, I've heard this isn't um, original to me, but I've heard it said that um, Christians are the only people who brag about or church leaders are the only people who brag about breaking one of the commandments. Like, oh, I'm too busy to Sabbath. I, I can't take up and rest that too busy working for God. And God is like, well, I kind of told you to do it. <laughs> I kind of told you to rest. And there's a lot of faith that comes with saying, God, I am not the end all be all to your church. If I sit down for a day, people won't lose their salvation. You know, <laughs> like these are the things that are like, well, I know this, but there's something about our culture that says, yeah, but we, we have to, or it won't happen. So this article kind of came out of, uh, watching and listening to Encanto mm-hmm. 50 billion times because <laughs> <laughs> of my children and then realizing, whoa, I can relate to some of the things I'm hearing in these songs and in this movie. And I think others can too. Mm-hmm. So uh, real quick about a question towards the movie. Um, did you relate to just one character in a movie or as you went through that as a three, did you relate to three or four of oh, the characters in there? All of them. Uh, I, oh, I really thank you. I just needed a little affirmation on that because <laughs> I'm looking at this thinking I am all these people. Yeah, <laughs> right. so. yeah. I didn't want to like create another personality test where it's like, okay, are you Mirabelle? Are you Louisa? Are you Bruno's? Um, but I, I think that's just a lot of different ways burnout can can play out on in ministry and church leadership. Like we, I, I, I relate to Abuela who just wants to hold on so tight and make everyone care about something as much as I do. I can relate to Bruno and saying, Hey guys, I got to say something really hard and you're going to think I'm the bad guy again. Um, Mirabelle, Louisa is, I, I I've related to all of them. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was reading through that thing and a little bit of the same thing. So burnout, um, is it inevitable? It's not. And I think that's the, I think that's the thing we, um, have to believe as leaders. I think, um, God has built in a system of faith that I don't, I don't want to say specifically that we won't burn out. I think uh, the Sabbath and rest and trust is about, is about faith. I think it's about trusting God and, but God has built in a system to where if we trust him, we can not only labor hard for him because I am not anti-work. I love work. I think we should work hard as unto, unto the Lord. Um, but I think we should also, um, sit down and rest and say, really the, the lion's share of this belongs to God. Mm-hmm. Um, the lion's share of this work belongs to God. And I think once, when we get that out of balance, that's when we, um, we burn out when we go and we put so much pressure on ourselves, burning out spiritually is just saying, I got to give everything, um, to this mission because if I don't, it won't happen. And there's a lot of arrogance in that. There's a lot of, um, that's one of the things I learned. There's a lot of arrogance Mm -hmm. in saying that if I don't get this website done and, you know, in the next week, who knows what's going to happen to the church of God. Mm -hmm. And it's it's silly, but I think we all live that way. Or we create a culture as leaders um, that have our employees feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I think we can avoid that with a lot of intentionality. Has burnout almost become a badge for church leaders? 
I mean, for those who have gone through it, nobody wants anybody else to have that scar. Mm, yeah. But has it almost become, is it a new kind of a badge that we're saying that people want to attach to their story or no? What's your thought? No, I think if you go back 30 years, maybe, um, that conversation is you had people in leadership conversation that were talking about how far can you get to the line. So the idea was, where's the point that you break and you work up to the point of breaking? And so, you know, kind of like how many hours I can put in a way. I mean, I can tell you that, what I can do. And and so from that standpoint, that was kind of the uh, expectation and always being available, always being mm. around, always being present. You know, well, um, <laughs> I can't always be present. You know, that's only something God can do, yeah. right? So it's one of those things that you you kind of process. And then, you know, what's funny was for, for many years that when people burned out, um, those people got pushed to the side because they weren't they weren't committed enough. They weren't um, engaged enough. I mean, it was it was like then you were something was wrong with you, you know, from that standpoint. So it's it's interesting how that's morphed over the years and people have become more aware of it. And symptomatically, they become um, more aware. Um, and I think that awareness is is huge in that and recognizing it, but so yeah. probably not the burnout. That's the badge. It's, it's all of the things that contribute to burnout. To it, yeah. That we kind of lift up and celebrate, yeah. you know, look, look how much you're working. Look how busy you are. Look at all. They were taking a day off in three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So we, we kind of cheer that 12 on. hours, you know? Yeah. Until they flame out. And then, and then we're like, okay, well, good luck. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you just walk away, you uh, know, kind of uh, thing. Uh, so. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting if you, if you start paying attention to when people, People say, hey, how are you? And you say, oh, busy, mm-hmm. busy, busy, busy. Mm-hmm. Like if I would challenge people to say something different. I mean, it's, right. it's probably true that we are busy. But what, what would it look like to say something different in that slot? Like, hey, how are you working for God and, and resting? Like that, that feels like such a weird thing to say for small talk. But like, what would you say if someone said, how are you doing? But it's kind of a badge. I kind of like saying, oh busy, man. I am woo, doing a lot. Got a lot on my plate. I loved saying that back in the day. I don't know why, but it's, it's kind of like, well, you must be important. Hmm. <laughs> so it, it does go back to pride, arrogance. It's an, it's an idol to be it able to answer idol. it that way. Mm. Self-importance. Yeah. You know, so what was it when you hit rock bottom? You know, we all have different personality sets, but what, what were the, the tools or the practices that, you know, once you realized that you were there, what were the steps to come out of that, to come to a place that you became comfortable in rest, comfortable in saying, I don't have it done today by five o'clock or it can wait a week. But what, what was yeah, that process? That's a great question. I, I will say it took time. It took um, it took a few years, but um, I got a really good Christian counselor. That was very important um, just to talk about, to learn about mental health, uh, to learn about um what's going on in my brain and what goes on in, in a lot of our brains. Um, so just help processing that. I, I do not uh, recommend that uh, mental health should be a D, DIY project. Do it yourself. I, I think we should is get professional yeah. uh, help, get, find a good counselor. That was very helpful. After, after that, just um, reassessing my spiritual practices. Um, I, 
just making time to be with God. I am a a huge John Mark Comer fan. I don't know if you've read his book, um, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, but that was very important. Um, a book for me in that it, it challenged me to slow down. Um, it didn't challenge me to stop working. It challenged me to change how I worked and then how I rested. So my family and I, we have, um, Sabbath every week. We, um, because my husband is a pastor, um, and Sunday is a work day for him. We, uh, Sabbath, um, the traditional Jewish, uh, Sabbath where you start, uh, Friday at sundown and we go, um, into, uh, Saturday, um, 24 hours. And that, that was hard to do at first to say no work, no, uh, social media, no, nothing. There's a, we are going to have a great meal and it's going to, we're going to rest, no devices for the kids. Um, that took a while to get that rhythm to where it, it wasn't just a duty. It, it was actually something that filled us up. We were, we were not working to rest. We were working from rest. And I think that was one of the biggest uh, rhythms that we put in place. And, and then that just started, I, I am off at five o'clock. I am, I am unavailable. Um, my, my, uh, Colleagues around me know that, you know, Janetta's she's uh, she's hard line about her blackout hours. And it's I don't have email on my phone. That is a huge deal. I do not want a notification popping up telling me that someone has emailed me. Um, I'm going to I have a time slot for my inbox checking. I'm, I'm going to check it and then I'm going to have another time slot. I'm not going to live in my inbox. These are just sort of some of the practices I had to really practice to, you know, do over and over before it became, um, a value. And now I think they are values, but, um, it, it really took some practicing, um, but they've been life-changing for me. Yeah. We asked the question, I don't know if in the December or January, we talked about how are you work different in 2022 mm-hmm. and having just the three of us having a similar conversation. What does that look like to work more from rest you know, mm-hmm. and that Brad, you've used that phrase uh, several times before. And I just think about Janelle, we were talking yesterday, just for me, it's been, I, I'm actually writing in, I, I write in a journal every day, but I'm actually writing slower. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. how, how my pen strokes are uh, slower. I'm actually trying to walk slower between one meeting to another, the triangular or the square breathing process, just to, you, you know, just to, to, to slow my, my rhythms down and then reading less of network information that I get bombarded with, which is good information. But I felt the overwhelmingness of it is too much intake. It is too much intake. And so it's taking a break mm-hmm. from those kind of things. Now, I do follow the um, times I only check email like twice a day. I'm not in it all the time and different things like that. But um, as you're talking about that, you're talking about hard lines. There's so many devices. There's so many things that we feel like it's important. We got it because it's important to us. We got to make it important to somebody else. What are some mm-hmm. things that you would say in terms of staffing and culture there about guidelines and directions that, that you have with your staff or that maybe you have uh, there at the summit? Yeah. I, I think the first and most important thing is that it has to start with the leaders. Um, I think a lot of churches and um, ministry staffing cultures will say, oh, of course we have. We want you to, of course, we want you to take your vacation. Of course, we want you to have a Sabbath. Of course, you know, it's, here it is. Here's the time. 
Now it's on you to take it. Um, that that message is always going to be trumped by the culture that you keep. So if you tell your employee, of course, I don't want you to work at night, but then you send them an email at 8.30 p.m. Um, because you had a great idea. The message that you don't realize that you're sending is, well, I guess she's working. So maybe I should be working too. There's, there's another subtle message that's being sent as you set the culture. So um, leaders ideate a lot. I am a creative. I love ideas. Um, Limit your ideation or at least put it from nine to five. There's a lot of great ideas, but when you have a great idea and you're in charge, people feel a weight to have to run with it and, and make it happen. And so um, it really, the culture is kept and guarded by the leaders and they really have to own um, and have a conversation with how people feel in a non-defensive way. You know, if, if an employee says, you know, I just, I just, I really feel like we just have too much on our plate and we're being asked too much. And your immediate thought is, well, I didn't tell you to do any of that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't tell you to do any of that. The, the culture is set by the pace of leadership, the pace of we've got to make it happen. So that's, I just, I want to speak to the leaders on that. Mm -hmm. What messages are you sending that you don't know that you're sending? Yeah. Mm. So question for you, just, um, this is not quite one of the questions, but it's just a, you know, uh, you practice a, 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 um, a routine Sabbath. So it's a part of your Mm -hmm. rhythm. So what does rhythm look like the other six days of the week for you? And since what's the pace that you keep and is there, what's the margin that you provide in the rest of the mm-hmm. week? Cause obviously the, the Sabbath is important, but mm-hmm. I think it's also what we do the other six days is important too. So yes. what that looks Very like. <clears throat> so, yeah, I have, um, I'm a rhythm kind of person. So I have these micro and macro rhythms. So every morning I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I wake up um, around 545, 6, and that just gives me time to be quiet before my very precious children <laughs> um, get up. <laughs> Underlining precious, you yes. know. Yes. Wish we had some background music to play for that. <laughs> it's so cute, so cute. Yeah. But they're also very loud. Yeah. And so I have to just wake up before they do. And I wake up and um, I, I make coffee first. Mm-hmm. And I just spend the first... 40 minutes of my day in silence. I don't say anything. I don't look at my phone. I don't. Um, and you know, my brain is most active in the morning. So that's actually a a challenge, um, to not just quiet the external sounds, but I have to spend, um, at least two minutes just sitting and trying to quiet my mind and, and just, get before the Lord and, and just lay things down. Cause there's so much going through my mind in the morning. So I, I, I just make time to just sit and, and do say, and try my best to think nothing. Mm-hmm. And I am, you know, three out of five in that most mornings, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough, but that's, that's the first um, hour of my morning. Then I just spend time in prayer and reading God's word and then my kids are awake <laughs> and I just, I just spend time with them in the morning, getting them ready for school and just uh, kind of helping them do the same thing. I want them to sit and, and, you know, not think that devices are everything. And um, 
when I get to work, I also do the same thing every day. When I get to work, I make coffee for my employees. Hmm. And, and that's, I am, I can be really um, susceptible to the tyranny of the urgent. Like we've got to get this done now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a fan of when I, when I get some, somewhere to start something to ease into it with something um, again, frivolous or something that's just like not urgent. I'm going to make a pour over coffee. Who wants some? <laughs> and, and that I do. I do. I'll take it. <laughs> I, I do too. Actually. No cream or sugar. I'll take it. <laughs> and so just doing those type of practices, not, um, I try not to hit the ground running. And that's, I think I, I am always tempted to hit the ground running. And if I hit the ground running, I'm going to run until the day ends. That's just gonna, That's just the way I am. I'm created. And so I have to hit the ground and stop and mosey mm-hmm. knowing that the pace is going to pick up mm-hmm. and it always does. And I like it. But if I stop, if I start the day slow, then I won't end the day in this panic, this, uh, this heightened heart rate. And so that, that's, that's what my, and when I get home, I'm home, mm-hmm. I'm unavailable. My computer doesn't come out of the bag. Um, my phone turns off. My husband is the cook. He loves to cook. And I just get in the kitchen and I blab on about my day while he's mm-hmm. cooking. And I'm, I'm ready with a spatula in case something needs to be flipped or stirred. But yeah, we just, we're done for the day. Five o'clock is blackout work, black hours for work. So that's more or less the rhythm of my, mm-hmm. my work days. As you say, I love that you use the word mosey. <laughs> that's a fantastic word. That's, a, that's, that's that uh, um, post office pace. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You go to the post office. Yeah. They're in a mosey. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, they're in a Sabbath. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But at least they're setting an example for us. Yeah. yeah. And they're selling us art with the stamps. I, mean, I know. Come on. Right. No. Let's, let's just be like the post office. That's yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I think about what you're saying, of course. I think being a three, like you're a three, I, I, I connect very well to what you're saying. But Brad, I was telling you the other day, just kind of learning about my nature. This is my nature, but I have to learn about the nurture. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and there, there's, I have to nurture or foster these things in which we're talking about because it's, it's not my nature. It doesn't make my nature wrong. You just got to know how to, how to nurture those things. Right. Yeah. So, right. yeah. 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 So let me ask you this, just thinking about our two conversations, creativity and burnout, how does or can creativity help uh, prevent or um, any aspect of burnout? Do the two have a correlation at all? I think so. I think um, there's there's a bit of creativity in all of us. Um, and I think you kind of hit on it like you you read a lot. And, you know, it's just a lot of processing of information, valuable information. I'm a lot like that, too. I like to learn. I'm always consuming. I, it's almost like I have information FOMO. I don't want to not know something. Somebody might know something that I, I don't know. But I keep using the word uh, frivolous. And I, because I know that has a, a kind of a negative connotation in our world, like everything has to have uh, a purpose and everything has to be um that you can get a, a, a good return on investment from it. But sometimes 
if we sit and we just enjoy something, um, if we just um, cook a meal from scratch that takes a lot of time and it, and it uses that salt that we got to go to the, the store and get the special kind that Martha Stewart said. And, you know, it, <laughs> it's just um, it's got uh, a plant that I don't know if is at my local Aldi, but just something about doing something slow and and just because it's beautiful and enjoyable um i think that connects us to some of the things that god has created you know there are fish in the ocean that we'll never see that are just beautiful and sometimes i think god why did you create that fish and you know i imagine him saying it's, it's beautiful I feel that way when I'm trout fishing, when I'm fly fishing. I know they're beautiful fish in here. Why won't they <laughs> come to my line? <laughs> but one of the things my team is doing this year to kind of get away from that marketing, that just, well, we got to make something to promote something. Hey, the, the women's brunch is this time Tuesday, and that's the art we made, and, and, and it's just to get people there. Um, I've, I've given my team the... Uh, the task of making too much art. Um, I just, I, I want an overflow of art. We're, we're about to start a series um, in the summer called the life of David. And we're going to be in first and second Samuel for a very long time. And I just want our team and our church to just read the book, uh, find a scene from David's life and make an art piece, mm-hmm. sketch, draw, watercolor, crayons, music, just make something David and Goliath, uh, David, uh, bringing the ark back, you know, just, I just want people to stop. And as they're hearing and learning about the word to actually sit and go deep in something for a while and just see what that does to slow them down, um, to be tactile with their hands. It's very creative, very, uh, yeah, I know I'm sounding like a eccentric creative right now, but there's just something about slowing down and getting your hands and doing something that takes a little bit of time um, that makes time and space real and enjoyable and brings us back to eternity. Eternity is a very long time that we don't have to rush through. And um, I think if we slow down here on Earth, we, we can kind of connect a little bit with eternity uh, that's to come. Mm. I think that's what, I mean, that's, that's part of those other six days. What is the pace that allows you to enjoy and Mm. to find the joy and to realize the presence and, and to, you know, (laughs) as you quoted the 23rd Psalm, you know, the idea of enjoying time with the shepherd and recognizing his presence and, Mm -hmm finding the places to rest and to be. And so it is this, but that happens every day. I mean, it's, mm. and sometimes we move so fast and with such deadline intention that we miss the relate. I mean, we miss the fact he's there. We miss the fact that our father's been walking with us. All, you know, so it's like, so how do you, how, what's this? It's finding the pace um, or the engagement, <laughs> our big word these days. Yeah. What does that look like um, so that you enjoy the father? You know, and you're able to be fathered, you know, so that's good. But I'm I'm actually thinking about this grandiose hallway of everybody's artwork and what, whether it's chalk, watercolor, paper, crayons, lining the facility of whatever the gathering, whatever that gathering space is. And 
Danny Franks is loving the first impression of that, I'm sure. <laughs> I actually do need to meet with Danny Franks. So at the end of the series, can we put these art pieces up in the lobby? <laughs> I'll talk. I'll, I'll push okay, it as well. Can you talk to about that? Yeah. 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 He'll love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to see him, so I'll push that. So, <laughs> so where can people uh, connect with you, whether it's a creative uh, question idea or just want to follow the things that you have going on, uh, maybe get a copy of the article? What's the best spot to reach you? Yeah, um, I am um, Janetta Oni. Um, I, I guess you guys will have that in the in the notes. But J A N E T T A O N I Oni J Oni at uh, at summitchurch.com is where you can email me. But yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. If you just want to reach out and ask a question, I'll try my best to answer it. Um, yeah, but you can find me there. All right, cool. Well, okay. thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to the Reimagined Podcast. As always, you can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or Overcast and download and rate any of the episodes. You can also check us out on the reimaginedcast.com website. So for Brad and Brian, I'm Greg. Thanks for listening to the Reimagined Podcast.